morning. As you know, uh, we have been focusing on during this season the hope of Christmas. And I've shared with you that for some, this is a challenging time. Uh, for some, it's very difficult uh, during this season, and especially if you feel hopeless. But the good news is the Apostle Paul revealed in Colossians 1.27, Christ in you, the hope of glory. And so we've been focusing on the Lord as our hope. He's the living hope. The Bible says that we have a living hope. The word living that's used by Peter in describing our hope also can be defined as something that's bubbling. Something that's bubbling on the inside. And so the hope God gives us bubbles up uh, because it's a living hope. It's an active hope. It's a hope that is not baseless, but it's founded on the immutable, unchanging character of God who is committed to being faithful and true. And so we're looking at the hope of Christmas. We've been looking at the fact that in a prophecy by a prophet in the Old Testament called Isaiah, he declared names that would be attributed to the coming Messiah, wonderful counselor, mighty God. And we've looked at those names, and today we're going to look at another title uh, that was given to the coming Messiah as we look at the hope of Christmas let me begin by sharing something that was communicated in a book entitled, What's So Amazing About Grace? Written by author and uh, Bible teacher Philip Yancey. In his book, Philip Yancey tells the story of Ernest Hemingway. Hemingway grew up in a very devout evangelical family, and yet there... He never experienced the grace of Christ. He lived a libertine life, that is a loose life that most of us would call dissolute or lax in morals. But there was no father, no parent waiting for him. And he sank into the mire of graceless depression. A short story he wrote perhaps reveals the grace that he had hoped for. It is the story of a Spanish father who decided to reconcile with his son who had run away to Madrid. The father, in a moment of remorse, takes out an ad in the newspaper called El Libro. And he put this ad in the paper that read, Paco, meet me in Hotel Montaña noon Tuesday. All is forgiven, Papa. When the father arrived at the square in hopes of meeting his son, he found 800 Pacos waiting to be reunited with their father. Philip Yancey poses the questions, Was Paco such a popular name? Or is a father's forgiveness the salve the ointment for healing for every soul. Now, you and I are familiar with the term that has become coined and popular within the field of psychology. It's called daddy issues. And we're told that there are people that with daddy issues, they have a hole in their soul. 
there is a lack of fulfillment and uh, satisfaction because there's been a disconnect between them and their father. One of the things that we discover in uh, the absences of deep father-child connection is the following statistics. 63% of youth suicides. 90% of all homeless runaway youths. 85% of all kids exhibiting behavioral disorders. 71% of high school dropouts. 70% of incarcerated juveniles. 75% of substance abuse patients are connected to the fact that there is a disconnection between a father and his children. Bottom line, fathers, dads matter. Let me say that again. Fathers, dads matter. When we go to Isaiah's prophecy, we discover the third title that Isaiah says the Messiah would bear. Look again with me at Isaiah 9, verses 6 and 7. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, notice, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Today's focus is on calling on Jesus, our everlasting Father. And I'm aware of the fact that the phrase Father can evoke various feelings and emotions depending on our stories. Some of us have wonderful memories of our childhood and our fathers. They were always there for us and nurtured and cared for us. But for others, fatherhood is a painful thought. Your dad wasn't very good to you and you live with the scars from that. The hurt, the wounds, and the damage you have had to overcome. Still, for others, it wasn't that your dad was bad or good. He was just gone. He was absent physically, or maybe it was emotionally. For a few of you, your dad wasn't a part of your life because of sickness, death, divorce, or imprisonment. Speaking to the theme of fatherhood can strike a deep chord in our hearts for some It's a great song for others. It's a lament. And still for others, it's a mixed bag, depending on the day of the week. And yet, here's the good news of the gospel. Jesus Christ helps us know God as our Father. Not just our Father. Not a a tyrant. Not an absent Father but our everlasting Father, one who will never leave us, 
fail us nor forsake us. One who is always there for us. One who has us in the palm of His hand. One who promises to forgive us and to redeem us. In fact, this is the distinguishing privilege and mark of a Christian. To know God as everlasting Father. This is at the heart of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. You know God as Father. You don't go around groping in the dark looking for some higher spiritual power or chase after some false and fickle deity. Nope. Because of Jesus, this child to be born, this son to be given, we now can confess As Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 8, 6, Yet for us there is one God, the Father, from whom are all things and for whom we exist, and one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom are all things and through whom we exist, because of the Messiah who has come, born in a manger, and then walking on our earth for 33 and a half years, and then sacrificing Himself as the innocent substitutionary sacrifice on our behalf, and then being raised from the dead on the third day, you and I don't have to deal with ongoing daddy issues. We, You and I don't have to go on dealing with a hole in our soul. God is able to heal our soul complete our lives because of Jesus. You and I that are His followers, we acknowledge in Him we live and move and have our being. I'm here standing before you, not because of my merit, but because of the mercy of Jesus, who through His sacrifice reconciled me to God the Father, restored my mind, gave me peace of soul, and gave me, made me right with God so that now in Him I live, in Him I move, in Him I have my my being. So this name, title, Everlasting Father, it tells us several things about Jesus. First of all, it tells us He created all things. This title, Everlasting Father, it tells us first that He created all things. In John's Gospel, we read in John 1, verses 1-3, through 3, the following, In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him, nothing was made that was made. And then in Genesis 1-1, we read, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. But John says that it was through the Word, Jesus, that all things were made, and without Him was not anything made that was made. So what is it? It Was it God, or was it Jesus? What the Bible is showing us is Jesus is more than a man. Jesus is the God-man. He created all things. And let me ask you, what did He create things out of? Nada. Zilch. Nothing. Why is that important? Because you may feel like you're down to nothing. You may feel like you have nothing to offer. 
But Jesus, the everlasting Father, when you invite Him into your life, He empowers you and He possesses the ability to make something out of nothing. Everlasting Father means there's hope for you and I, regardless of our past, regardless of our sense of insufficiency. He created all things, and He created something out of nothing. He simply spoke. So everlasting Father reveals that He creates all things. Secondly, it reveals that He upholds what He creates. He upholds what He creates. The writer of Hebrews tells us in Hebrews 1, verses 1 through 3, God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by His Son, whom He has appointed heir of, heir of all things, through whom also He made the world, who being the brightness of His glory and the express image of His person. Now notice the next phrase. And upholding all things... By the word of his power. All things he created are sustained, are kept from falling by the word of his power. This is important because it tells you and I that if we follow and have committed our lives to Jesus Christ, the one who created is also able to uphold, to keep from falling What he created. Just think about it. This universe, this vast expanse, is not chaotic, not going crazy. The planets remain where they ought to be. The sun is on an axle at the right angle as it ought to be. The rotation that happened and and, and as we're suspended in space remains in order. This Vast universe and everything created within our world was not something that happened through an evolutionary process. Because if we say it happened through a big bang, we're saying it happened by accidents. But it didn't happen that way. It happened through divine design by a creator who is not some divine watchmaker who simply through creation, winded up a clock to tick by itself? No. And then left it? No. He is constantly watching, preserving what He creates. That's why the Scripture says that the Lord will keep you in your going out and in your coming in, even from this time forevermore. That's why you need to know that in spite of what you're going through, my God is going to uphold you. That word uphold means to carry, to bear. He's going to uphold you. Even when you can't hold yourself together, I'm talking about the Lord who says to you, you're my child and I've got you in the palm of my hand and you're not falling. You are going to be sustained. You're going to be uphold by my righteousness victorious right hand you're gonna make it through because i'm carrying you i'm upholding you and this is why the psalmist says the steps of a good man are ordered by the lord and though he stumble he will not be utterly cast down why because the lord up 
holds him. So everlasting father means the one who created all things. He upholds. He sustains. He bears. He carries on what he's created. But it also means this. He holds together what he creates. Everlasting Father tells us about Jesus that he holds together what he creates. What do you mean by that, Pastor? The Apostle Paul wrote this in Colossians 1.17, speaking of Jesus. And he is before all things. And in him all things consist. What does he mean by all things consist? If we go to the Amplified Version, it helps us understand what he's communicating. In the Amplified, Colossians 1.17 says, And he himself existed and is before all things. Watch this. And in him all things hold together. His is a controlling, cohesive force of the universe. Now, some of you, you know, when things break down in your house, especially guys, we have this idea, just like, you know, the, the, apparently according to my fat Greek wedding, uh, there's a cure for everything. It's called Windex, right? And for us in the Latino community, it's Vicks. Uh, but when something breaks down in your house for men, the cure is duct tape. Something breaks, just get duct tape. Duct tape. Your fender comes off, get duct tape. It works. <laughs> it's the most powerful thing. Duct tape. Well, what I want you to understand, Paul is saying, that the one who created you, when you feel like you're falling apart, he's the one that will hold you together. Can I tell you, Jesus' power is more powerful than duct tape. It's more powerful than even Gorilla Glue. Did you know that? He, he has a greater cohesiveness in his power. This is why I'm telling you, you may feel like today I'm breaking down, but I want you to know you're not going to ultimately break down. You're going to break through because Jesus is holding you together and he will hold you together. He holds together what he creates. Then, This term, title, Everlasting Father, it also says of Jesus that He is the exact representation of the Father. He is the exact representation of the Father. What do you mean, Pastor? Back in Hebrews 1.3, now in the Amplified, it says of Jesus, The Son is the radiance and the only expression of, Of the glory of our awesome God. Watch this. Reflecting God's Shekinah glory. And the light being. The brilliant light of the divine. And the exact representation. And perfect imprint of his father. The writer of Hebrews is saying. What John would tell us of Jesus. And the word became flesh. And dwelt among us in John 1.14. And we beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father. Full of grace and truth. And then Paul would tell us. 
that in Him, in Christ, in the book of Colossians, in Him dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Translation. The Bible is revealing to us that Jesus, through His humanity, He reflected, He shone forth accurately and with exactness the attributes and characteristics of the Father. So if you wanted to know, what does the Father think? What does the Father feel? What would the Father do? All you had to do was look to Jesus, because in body form, He expressed, He revealed with excellence and accurateness the Father's heart. The Father's way, the Father's will, and He did it perfectly. He was the perfect imprint, and in Him, His essence reflected, shone forth who the Father is to the team. And that's why the Bible tells us in John 14, 9, Jesus said to Philip, Have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen who? The Father. Jesus was saying, you want to know what God, the Father, who His Spirit is like? Just watch me. Look at me. Because Jesus was the perfect expression of the Father. And what does this tell us? Jesus is more than a rabbi. Jesus is more than a prophet. Jesus is more than a divine healer. Jesus is the God-man. He is divinity and humanity all in one. The perfect expression of God. And that's why the Bible tells us there is only one mediator between God and man. Jesus Christ. I want you to know you've got help today from the one who is more than a good listener. He is mighty to meet your need. He is powerful to transform your life. Because he's a God-man. And this title, Everlasting Father, reveals another thing about Jesus. He is ever-present. He is ever-present. Everlasting Father. What are you saying, Pastor? The Lord is not an absentee Father. He is not an abandoning father. He is an always father. He will not walk out on you. He will not leave you. He will not fail you. He's everlasting. He's consistent always. The psalmist says this of our God in Psalm 46, 1. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Right now, you could find yourself between a rock and a hard place. Right now, you could feel overwhelmed and even overcome by your present circumstances. But I want you to know, God is present with you. 
He has not left you. He's there with you because he's everlasting. He's an always father. Corey Ten Boom tells of a time in the German death camp, Ravensbrück, during World War II. She had smuggled her Bible and a small bottle of liquid vitamins into her barracks. Her sister Betsy was sick and growing sicker. But she demanded that Corey first give a dose of vitamins to all the other sick in their barracks before she would accept any. Corey tells that a strange thing was happening. The vitamin bottle was continuing to produce drops. It scarcely seemed possible. So small a bottle, so many doses a day. Now, in addition to Betsy, a dozen others on her pier were taking it. In Corey's words, my instinct was always to hoard it. Betsy was growing so very weak, but the others were ill as well. It was hard to say no to eyes that burned with fever, hands that shook with chill. I tried to save it for the very weakest, but even then, those soon numbered 15, 20, and 25. And still, she says, every time I tilted the little bottle, a drop appeared at the tip of the glass stopper. It just couldn't be. I held it up to the light, trying to see how much was left. But the dark brown glass was too thick to see through. There was a woman in the Bible, Betsy said, whose oil jar was never empty. She turned to it in the book of Kings, the story of the poor widow of Zarephath, who gave Elijah a room in her home. And it read, and it reads, The jar of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail, according to the works of Jehovah, which he spoke by Elijah. Well, but wonderful things happen all through the Bible. It was one thing to believe that such things were possible thousands of years ago, Corey said, another to have it happen now to us this very day. And yet, it happened this day, and the next, and the next, until an odd little group of spectators stood around watching the drops fall into the daily rations of bread. She continues, many nights I lay awake in the shower of straw dust from the mattress above, trying to fathom the marvel of supply lavished upon us. Maybe, I whispered to Betsy, only a molecule or two really gets through that little pinhole, and then, and then in the air it expands. I heard her soft laughter in the dark. Don't try to explain it, Corey. Just accept it from a father who loves you. That's our Father in heaven. The psalmist said, I have been young and now I'm old. Yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed 
begging for bread. That's why Jesus said, pray this way. Our Father in heaven. And when you ask Him for what you need, say, give us this day our daily bread. Because your heavenly Father, He takes care of His own. He will not leave you nor forsake you. And He will protect you. And He will provide for you. Because He is a good, good Father. There's a Bible author or Bible teacher who wrote a book entitled The Search for Significance, Seeing Your True Worth Through God's Eyes. And he paraphrased the love chapter of the Bible known as 1 Corinthians 13 in this manner. My father is very patient and kind. My father is not envious Never boastful. My father is not arrogant. My father is never rude, nor is he self-seeking. My father is not quick to take offense. My father keeps no score of wrongs. My father does not gloat over my sins, but is always glad when... Truth prevails. My Father knows no limit to His endurance, no end to His trust. My Father is always hopeful and patient. Now as I wrap this message up, let me say this. There's a lie that's promoted even through a Christmas song that's popular. And it's a lie that you hear echoed even by actors, artists, athletes. What is a lie? It's this. We are all God's children. How can you say that's a lie? Because it's a lie. We are all created by God, but we are not all God's children. Jesus made that clear. People say, well, how could you be so narrow-minded? I didn't write the book. Jesus made it clear. There's only one way to experience God as my Father, as your Father. It's through Jesus Christ. Our biological father is the one who united with our mother and gave us physical life. I know that you may consider your dad or the one who nurtured and supported you as someone different from your biological father. But generally speaking, a father is the one who gives us life. And what the scripture is revealing is that Jesus is our everlasting father in the sense that he is the one. Who brings us to spiritual life. Again in John 14.6. Jesus told us that no man comes to the father. Except through him. We are new creatures in and because of Christ. It is because of Jesus that we have the opportunity to know eternal life. It is because of Jesus that we can know a new and life-giving relationship with the Father. Look what Paul wrote to Titus in Titus 
chapter 3, verses 2 through 7. Once we, too, were foolish and disobedient. We were misled by others and became slaves to many wicked desires and evil pleasures. Our lives were full of evil and envy. We hated others and they hated us. But then God, our Savior, showed us His kindness and love. He saved us, notice, not because of the good things we did, but because of His mercy. He washed away our sins and gave us, notice, a new life through the Holy Spirit. He generously poured out the Spirit upon us because of what Jesus Christ, our Savior, did. He declared us not guilty because of His great kindness. And now we know that we will inherit eternal life. Charles Swindle relates a story that draws us an an appropriate picture of what Christ has done. Eight-year-old Monica broke her leg as she fell into a pit. An older woman, Mama Jiri, happened along and climbed into the pit to help get Monica out. In the process, a dangerous black mamba snake bit both Mama Jiri and Monica. Monica was taken to Kajav Medical Center and admitted. Mama Jiri went home, but never awoke from her sleep. The next day... A perceptive missionary nurse explained Mama Jerry's death to Monica, telling her that the snake had bitten both of them. But all the snake's poison was expended on Mama Jerry. None was given to Monica. The nurse then explained that Jesus had taken the poison of Monica's sin so that she could have new life. It was an easy choice for Monica. She, right there, received Jesus as Savior and Lord. Jesus makes the spiritual life possible. Let me be clear. Revelation reveals who's going to make it to heaven. But it also reveals who's not. You might have watched All Dogs Go to Heaven. But let me tell you again. Not all people go to heaven. The only way you make it is through accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And I know I can be called by some a hater. But I'm going to say it again. These are not my words. This is the word of God. The words of Jesus. And God is not to be blamed because God made the way for anyone to come to Him through Jesus Christ and have eternal life. We can choose to accept or reject it. God made it possible through Jesus who gave His life as our innocent sufferer and sacrifice, bearing our shame, taking upon himself the penalty and punishment for our sin, and then being buried in a borrowed tomb, and then three days later rising out of that tomb. And because of him, through him, by him, you and I can know eternal life. But we also can say no. That's not God's doing. That's our own choice. The good news is, if you're breathing, there's hope. 
you can have eternal life today. Let me tell you, heaven's parting right now. Heaven's in a party mode right now. Why? Because this morning, there were several people at our Cutler campus who came to Jesus Christ. They came to Jesus Christ. And I'm going to offer you that opportunity too. I'm going to tell you, I tell you the truth because I love you. And I want you to know that there's hope in Jesus and only through Jesus. Father, I thank you for the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ, your Son. You made the way possible. And you even set the way in motion after you had set up Adam and Eve in a perfect world. And there in that perfect world, they disobeyed you. But even then, you set in motion the process for reconciliation. They tried to cover themselves with fig leaves. But then you provided the covering of animal skin. You were declaring the gospel from that moment on. That in order for us to be covered so that we could be in your presence in right standing, it would have to be through the sacrifice of an innocent sufferer. And that would become your son Jesus. Even there, you began the process to make it possible for disobedient mankind to be restored in right relationship with you, to return to you. I pray today for those that are here, those watching online, who know that they have yet to receive you as Lord in their life and you're inviting them through your spirit to receive the gift of salvation made possible through Jesus, your son. I pray today your Holy Spirit would reveal what your word shows us. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But your word also reveals that God, you demonstrated your love toward us in this. That even while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And through his sacrifice, we can be assured of eternal life. We can be made right with you, not through our doing, but through what was done because of Jesus and through Jesus. So I'm going to issue an invitation here today. You're here in this building or you're online and you know that you need Jesus as your Savior. You recognize, as I had to, that you are a sinner in need of a Savior. Well, the good news is Jesus is the Savior. He declared, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And he says in his word as well, he who comes to me, I will in no wise cast out. So I want to give you the opportunity to come forward to this front area called the altar if you know 
you need to be made right with God. And you realize, I can't be made right with God through what I do. I have to trust in what Jesus did for me. And I'm ready to invite Him to become my Savior and Lord in my life because I want that hope of eternal life. I want that blessed assurance of eternal life through Jesus Christ. That's you. I'm going to invite you right now to this front area called the altar. Just like I did in Cutler. Jesus said that if we will publicly proclaim Him, He will publicly proclaim us before the angels of God in heaven. But if we're ashamed of Him here on earth, we'll feel the shame of exclusion from heaven because of our own choice. But we don't have to. This is your day to come to faith in God through Jesus Christ. And you know you need to be made right with God. And you know you need Jesus as your Savior. Come right now. Come. This is your moment. Don't worry about anybody else. Don't worry about what... This is about your eternal state. This is about your eternal state we're talking about. I give you the opportunity to come right now. To say, Jesus, I want you as my Lord. I need you as my Savior. I surrender to you. Because to do so is to receive eternal life. John said, he that has a son of God has life. But he that does not have the son of God does not have life. So you know, this is your moment. As this music continues, I'm inviting you. I'm inviting you to come if that's you. I need Jesus. That's it. Come. I need Jesus. It could be today that you're here and you say, Pastor Angel, I am a follower of Jesus. But truth be known, things seem to be falling apart in my life. And I need the assurance that God is going to hold me together. I need the assurance that He is going to bear me. He's going to carry me. He's going to keep me from falling. I need to know that. You come right now as well. Because God, by His Holy Spirit, will bear witness, will confirm to your heart through His presence that He's got you. That He's got you. So you come too. You're here and say, Pastor Angel, I need to know that God is going to keep me. He's sustaining me. He's upholding me. I need that assurance today. I'm going through a tough time. I'm going through a trial right now. And I need to know... God's got me. You come. And we're ready to join you in prayer. And I know that as we call on the Lord, His Holy Spirit is going to come and confirm to your heart, I've got you, son. I've got 